0: Okay, First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 is where we're starting this morning. Let's open with a, a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction you give us, for the wisdom you impart to us through your word. And we just pray that uh, through your spirit that we'll be able to understand and and uh, know how it applies in our own hearts and souls and be able to take your word and, and <coughs> Uh, turn it into something real in our lives and that will reflect the way we live we pray you'll bless our time now in Christ's name, Amen okay to get our context we're going to read starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 start at verse 16 and we'll read through chapter 4 verse 5
1: do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells
2: in you? if anyone destroys God's temple God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred, and you, te- you together are that temple.
3: Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish, so that he may become wise.
4: For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, since it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness.
5: And again the Lord knows that thoughts of the wise are futile. So let no one boast in me, for all things are yours. Whether power Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours.
0: And you are Christ and Christ is God. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God.
1: Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful.
2: I didn't even see it three hundred, but now I see it. It's a really small letter. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any, by any human court. Indeed, I do not even I do not even judge myself.
3: For I am conscious of nothing against myself. Yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord.
4: So don't judge anything prematurely. Before the Lord comes, who so will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and reveal the intentions of the hearts. And then praise will come to the one from God.
0: Okay. Last week, uh, we covered verses 16 and 17. And here Paul is explaining that uh, the church is God's temple on earth because the, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Just like in the Old Testament, the Spirit was... Uh, God's spirit was in the, the tabernacle, and then later the uh, Solomon's temple, um, and so that's God's temple is, and so he's a he's applying it to the Corinthians because uh, they were the temple of God in Corinth. There were lots of other temples, pagan temples, but they were the only one that was a true temple, and as such, uh, you know, were to be holy, were to be a light to the world. Of who God is uh, present him to the world the Corinthians however were uh, as we saw in the beginning of the chapter they were living according to the flesh they were like like any other person and so they lost that holiness and so that the temple was being corrupted because of the way they were living their bad behavior and we also going back in the Old Testament how did God treat those who Corrupted his tabernacle. Well, they died, and and we can see First uh, Corinthians chapter ten, where we talk about the communion. Some of them slept. God was judging them because of the way they were despising his temple. Now, going on, uh, starting verse eighteen through twenty-three, we have a section that really is a. Uh, conclusion and a summary of everything that we've had in the book up to this point and we introduced the uh, verse 18 last week by talking about deception because it starts out by saying let no man deceive himself and we saw how easy it is to be deceived and our deception can come from uh, from satan from the world and sometimes worst of all from ourselves Uh, especially we deceive ourselves about sin we try to justify ourselves and rationalize our sins. And, and so we have to watch out for deception. So let's start, That we're starting in verse 18 again this, this morning. And uh, this section's kind of divided into two parts. There's uh, 18 through 20 and then t- um, 21 through 23. So uh, 18 through 20. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become foolish that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God, for it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasoning of the wise that they are useless. So the particular deception Paul is attacking here is when a person thinks that he is wise in this age. Now, Paul is not saying that they might not be wise according to the world. So being wise in this age is the same as having the wisdom of the world. And, and they probably have that. What the deception is, is thinking that this is true wisdom. And it's not. And we've seen all the way through the first, you know, Couple, a couple chapters where God compares his wisdom with the wisdom of the world. God's wisdom is a true wisdom. He, and, and God gives it to us. We, we know about eternal life. We know about creation. We know about his plan of salvation. The world's wisdom can't save anybody. It's useless. And that's kind of the point he's trying to make in this section. Um, going back to chapter 1, would someone like to read verse 20 for us?
5: Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of the age? Does not God made foolish the wisdom of the world?
0: Okay. So God makes, He shows it to be foolish. Um, I want to look at an Old Testament passage. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 5. It struck me that it, as we've been going through First Corinthians, I keep going back to Isaiah from, from complimentary verses. Uh, I think he's delivering the same message to the Israelites of his day. Uh, Isaiah chapter 5, would someone like to read verses 20 and 21? Woe
5: to those who call evil good, and good evil, who put darkness for light, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter, well, to those who are wise in their own eyes and show you their own, own sight.
0: That's good. So that's that's the same message. They're wise in their eyes. In that, yeah, that fits, yeah. That's why we went back and looked at it. They call it good evil and evil good. Right. That's the wisdom of the world around us. they got things turned upside down and backwards.
2: Uh,
0: uh, so,
2: so in our age?
0: Yeah, in our age, they're. You know, you look at uh, capital punishment. You know, God commanded that to Noah because man's created in the image of God and you destroy the image of God, you deserve to die. And that's how he puts it there, basically. But in our state, it's oh, capital punishment is immoral. You know, We've got so many people that think God is immoral, basically. They're, they have a higher standard of morality than God does. He doesn't meet their standard. Um, we, have, we see the same thing so much in, in, in homosexuality and, and sexual sins, too. So that's the wisdom of the world, but is foolish in God's eyes. Let's look at uh, also Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And you were dead in
1: the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit now at work in the sons of disobedience.
0: Okay, so basically, living according to the course of this world, that's the wisdom of this world, the things that the world says you ought to do or ought not to do, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins because you... Basically, we're following the wisdom of the age. And it tells us here it, it comes from uh, the prince of the power of the air, who is Satan. So Satan is the one that's essentially uh, determining the wisdom of the world, ultimately. So Paul tells them um, what they need to do to correct this problem. That they're walking according to the world. He says at the end of verse 18, let him become foolish that he may become wise. And the foolishness he's talking about here is what um, the Gentiles, the Greeks, call God's wisdom. They say the gospel is foolishness. Um, let's go back to chapter 1. someone like to read verse 18 for us?
5: the message of the cross is foolishness and to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God
0: ok so they call the gospel foolishness and then in chapter 2 is someone like to read verse 14
3: but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for they are foolish to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually dissent
0: Okay, so those, the things that the Spirit teaches us through the Word are foolishness to the natural man. So here when when Paul is saying you need to become foolish, he's using foolish in that terms. What the world says to be foolish, that's what you need to ter- turn to and, and embrace. Um, not that it actually is truly foolish, but it's what the world calls foolish. And so, basically they need to swallow their pride and... Uh, risk being called foolish by the world um, and embrace the the wisdom of the gospel and the spiritual teaching that they've gotten from Paul and Apollos. And, you know, the the problem is our our egos too often get in the way of our walk as Christians. You know, we want to fit into the world. We don't want to look like we're a little weird or foolish or, you know, and, and so we try to kind of, as much as possible, act like the world around us. And that's our, those are ego problems. You know, sometimes we have to say, this is what God's Word says, this is what I'm going to go with. Um, you know, you, you tell someone you believe in the Genesis flood, and I think, you're some kind of an idiot. <laughs> the, the more I learn about flood geology and the world, it's like, no, it's the other way around. There's no other explanation for the... Uh, um, what you see around as far as the um, landforms.
4: Well, so, it's interesting that Paul really, in the verse 18, says that the two are mutually exclusive. You're right. never going to be able to gain God's wisdom if you hang on to the world.
0: Right. That's a good point. They are exclusive.
4: You yeah. have to become a fool so yeah. that you can get the wisdom of God.
0: Yeah. I became a believer when I was 18 and then went off to college and I remember reading in Genesis, you know, I, I was raised, you know, with a secular scientific background and, you know, you read about the Genesis flood and it's like, this, this sounds dumb, but that's what it said. And I made the decision, okay, I'm going to stick with the flood, like, like the Bible says, you know, even though it contradicted everything I'd been taught, um, it was foolish, but it was God's word. So, Paul, at this point, he, he goes and uh, he he quotes a couple of verses from the Old Testament to support what he's saying here. Now, as, as we go through the scriptures, I'm always going to the, quoting other scriptures. So, sometimes I wonder if I do too much of that, but Paul does it, so. Yeah, Paul does it, so. I guess we're okay. Um, So the first quotation is from Job chapter 5. So let's turn back to Job chapter 5. Job chapter 5, and would someone like to read verses 12 and 13 for us?
2: He dwarfs the plans of the crafty, so said their hands are even no success. He catches the wise in their craftiness and the schemes of the willy are swept away. Wily. Willy, Wily. 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 Wily.
0: Wily. <laughs> yeah, he, the, the quotation is from verse 13. Um, going back, uh, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness is what we have in Corinthians. And so we see that Um, first part of 13 he captures the wise by their own shrewdness so God God is you know this is the first speech of Eliphaz and he's telling how God defeats those who have pride in their own cunning and shrewdness um, that God uses their own plans to defeat them and the last book we studied before First Corinthians was Esther, yeah. <laughs> and we saw that with Haman, he got hung on his own gallows. You know, so so that's an excellent example of this that God, you know, um, does this. And Paul Paul's using this passage here to warn those who are wise in this age that God is going to bring them down. They're going to get tripped up by by what they think they're 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 so smart about. Um, Isaiah. Let's turn to Isaiah. Isaiah again, chapter forty-four. Isaiah forty-four. Someone like to read twenty-four and twenty-five here, verses twenty-four and twenty-five.
3: Thus says the Lord, your redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb. I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth all alone, causing the omens of boasters to fail, making fools out of diviners, causing wise men to draw back, and turning their knowledge into foolishness.
0: So there's God (laughs) declaring his glory. I love that. (laughs) He says, Yeah, I said, I stretched out the heavens. My by myself. I didn't need any help. Nobody, no other God did that. I spread out the earth, all alone. You know, and those things match with you know the the data coming in from science. You know, we see that the earth is spread out. We see that the heavens have been stretched. Um, and he says, "I did it all by myself." That's how great I am. And the other thing I do is I. I take the wise men and I turn their knowledge into foolishness. Mm-hmm. I glorify myself by tripping up those who think they're so smart. He laughs at yeah. them. He laughs at them, yeah. Um, and this, on, our, on our way back to 1 Corinthians, let's stop at Romans chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 1. <laughs> Someone like to read verses 21 and 22 for us.
5: For well, although they knew God, they, ma- they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking came futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened.
0: And 21 also, please.
5: Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged mm-hmm. the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles.
0: Okay, so here we've got the natural man claiming to be wise. They became fools. So God defeats their wisdom and and makes them look foolish. Okay, so that's the first quotation we have here from from Job. Um, The commentary said that this is the only place Job is quoted in the New Testament this is it so Uh, most of i think that's because most of job is bad advice (laughs) the rest of what eliphaz says is not necessarily good but this is one quotation where he got it right Um, okay so the second quotation uh, that we see in uh, verse 20 is from psalm 94 verse 11 so let's turn to psalm 94 verse 11 Someone like to read that for us. The Lord knows the thoughts of man. He knows that they are futile. Okay, they are futile. My version says that they are a mere breath. Yeah. So, it's very it's very similar um, quotation, but Paul does change a word here. In Psalm 94, it says, The Lord knows the thoughts of man. When he quotes it, he says... Um, the Lord uh, knows the reasonings of the wise. So he He takes, instead of saying man, he applies it to the wise, those who think they're wise in their lives. Uh, so it fits this context a little bit better here. He says their thoughts are useless. So all these great philosophers through the ages, uh, Plato, you know, Descartes, I you know, I haven't taken philosophy, so I don't know all the names of them. Socrates, Socrates yes, all these great thinkers. They're all useless because they're in the dark. They don't know. God knows. But they don't know God. They don't know about the mysteries of creation and salvation and the angelic conflict that's going on, all that stuff. They don't know about that. So they can do all the reasoning they want. But they're in the dark. Um, and so it's is useless. And so this is this idea of of how useless their thinking is just strengthens Paul's exhortation. Give up on the wisdom of the current age, the wisdom of the world. It's useless stuff. It's foolish. It's not going to help you. It's not going to save you. Swallow your pride. (laughs) Don't try to look like the world. Follow what God says. And so that supports a lot of what we saw in in chapter 2. So again, this is a summary passage. Now going on to the second part of this passage, verses 21 through 23. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. So here's a, uh, the exhortation is, don't boast in men. And based on what we just saw, one of the reasons is because essentially unbelievers are stupid. They're foolish. They don't know what's going on. So, so there's no point in, in boasting in them. Um, they, you know, compared to God, um, we don't know what's going on. We're unrighteous, we're unholy, we're weak. Uh, immoral compared to him. Let's go back to chapter 1. Someone like to read verses 27 through 31.
1: But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. <clears throat> God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might be might boast in the presence of God. Oh. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, that the one who boasts,
0: boasts in the Lord. Okay. God is the only one worthy of worship and the only one worthy of the glory and praise and, and our boasting. Mm-hmm. Don't boast in men. As he says, they're not, they're not very wise, they're not holy, they're not anything. But that's that's not the main reason Paul's giving in this passage. It fits the context, it fits what we've seen before. He has another reason for not boasting in men. And it's a little harder to pick out here. Um, and so his, his main point really um, is the first part of verse 21 and then verse 23. The rest is kind of a parenthesis in there. So I'm going to read it that way. So then let no one boast in men. Oh, excuse me. Okay. For the second part of 21. For all things belong to you. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. So it talks about belonging here. Um, so we got that idea. Belonging, and it's not just ownership, but it's also uh, belonging with a purpose. Something belongs to you for a purpose. And so we're going to start and go through these, these three things backwards. I'm going to start at the end of verse 23, which says Christ belongs to God. So when it talks about Christ, he, he's not talking just about the second person of the Trinity. The Christ is the anointed one, the human God person. person. The God-man, Jesus Christ. And so he exists, and he has several purposes. And Usually the first thing we think of is salvation. John three sixteen: for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We see purpose there, the salvation of men. We also see belonging. God gave his only begotten son uh, There's a sense of belonging. Um, another purpose. Let's go to 1 John 2. One of the things I, I think I've seen in scriptures is that see, God never does anything for just one purpose. There's so many things going on, um, especially with Christ. 1 John 2, something like we, verses 1 and 2 for us. My
3: little children. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those in the whole world.
0: Okay, so you can look at the death of Christ two ways. We, you know, The first one we're looking at, he died to save us. <coughs> That's true. This is different. He, desi- he died to propitiate God. God was offended by our sins and God had to be propitiated. Christ died to satisfy God's righteous judgment. Regardless of anyone was saved or not, God had to be propitiated. So there's another second per- purpose for his death on the cross. Whether you look at it you know, to satisfy God versus saving mankind, they're both there. Um, now let's go back to John, the book of John, chapter 17. Okay. Reviewing all the purposes. Not all of them, but some of the purposes for Christ. Um, John 17, would someone like to read verses 4 and 5?
5: I glorify you Lord. Are the work that you gave me to do and now father glorify me in your own presence with
0: the glory that i have with you before the world existed okay he came to glorify god brought god's glory he did god's work and brought god's glory um let's turn to revelation chapter 20. Someone like to read verses 1 and 2, and then skip down to verse 10. Revelation 20, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 10.
4: And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key to the abyss, and a great chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And then verse 20, you said? 10. Verse 10. 10. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are and he will be tormented day and night forever and ever.
0: Okay. So there's a conflict going on between Satan and God. You know, Satan is the one who says, you know, I will make myself like the Most High. And God says, no, you're (laughs) not. And it's through Christ that Satan is defeated and eventually cast into hell. Lake of Fire, so that's another purpose why why Christ came was to defeat Satan. Um, uh, Another one is is you you look at all—I don't have a particular verse for it—but you look at all the prophecy of old with all the promises to Israel about the coming kingdom, about their Messiah, the Son of David will sit on the throne, and all these other things that God promised Israel. Jesus is the fulfillment of all those promises. That's another purpose why he came. Um, And then going back to 1 Corinthians, let's look at chapter 8. This is a more general statement. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. uh, Someone like to read verses 5 and 6 for us.
3: For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him.
0: Okay, so that last, Jesus Christ, by whom and through whom all these things have happened. So he's the agent through whom God has worked in on earth. So that's kind of a more of a general statement, but again, it's through Christ that God did these things. Um, and something that just struck me in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Christ defeats death through the resurrection. So here's all these purposes for which Christ came into the world. And so we have Christ, he belongs to God the Father, He's the Father's Son, He had all these purposes in serving and accomplishing God's purposes. Okay, back to our to the next step, going backwards. We had Christ belongs to God, and it says you belong to Christ. You is plural again here, uh, referring to the church, the universal church. And Paul is applying it specifically to the Corinthians. So you're the church there at Corinth. Um, we have the idea of possession. And we see that, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'd like to read verses 19 and 20.
5: Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? Everything.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. 19 and 20. You are not. And 20 also. 20, yes.
5: You were bought at a price to honor God with your body.
0: Okay. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. I mean, if that's not possession, I don't know what is. <laughs> so there we have the idea of belonging. You are, you know, you are Christ. He bought you. Um, let's look at First Peter chapter 1. Peter tells us the same thing. First Peter chapter 1. Uh, so, like like read verses 18 and 19 here.
2: Can we hear
3: this voice which came from heaven? When
0: we nope, heard that's him. that's not right. First, First Peter one. 18,
3: 18 and 19. 18 and 19. Knowing First, that you were not redeemed. Uh hold on. Okay. Um, knowing that you were not yep. redeemed. Things like silver or gold, and from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Okay. I don't know where I (laughs) (laughs)
0: was. Okay. (laughs) But she ended up in the right spot. That's as important. only only sees
2: this much at time. Just said Peter. (laughs) Oh.
0: (laughs) In one of the people. First Peter, second Peter. Um, So here we have the word redeemed. That means, I I think the. There's different Greek words for redeem, but they're all based on going to the marketplace and purchasing something. Um, one, of, one of them specifically means you go and you buy something, you bring it home for your own use. You know? And so that's what Christ did. With his own blood, he purchased us. So we really have this idea, pos- strong idea of possession. You know, we as the church, we belong to Christ. So what are the benefits that Christ get from Owning us in a sense. Um, what's the purpose for this? Let's let's look at John chapter seventeen again. John chapter seventeen. Would someone like to read verses nine and ten.
4: I pray for them. And I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine, and I am glorified in them. Okay. This is the true Lord's Prayer. Right.
0: Right. He's praying for the believers, and he says, I am glorified in them. Our purpose, he purchased us so that he would be glorified in us. That's one of the reasons He bought us and brought us into His body. Is that he would be glorified. And we'll see that again. Let's turn to Ephesians. Chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, some verses 12 and 14. You can skip over 13. Ephesians 1, 12 and 14.
3: To the end that we the first hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory
0: again God's praised his glory is praised in the church Um, God takes basically the refuse of the world (laughs) and creates a mighty holy army yeah (laughs) We've been looking at that in Corinthians, not many wise, not many powerful, not many, yeah. Um, So we see that over and over again. And then finally, let's let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Someone like to read 25 through 27.
5: Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up to you, that he might sanctify her, and we cleansed her by the washing of water with the And 27. So that he might present the
0: church to himself in friends without spot and people or Jesus that she might be holy without relish. Okay. So here the church is God's holy bride, mm-hmm. and he's gonna show her off. This is my bride. He takes glory in her. You know, I think having a bride is a good thing, you know, <laughs> and, and we, you know, and so Christ is, again, glorified in the church. And that's uh, a big purpose that we, that he, he purchased us. Okay, so Christ belongs to God, the church, you, the church belong to Christ. And then the third thing is all things belong to you. Again, you refers to the church. All things are for the benefit of the church. And all means all. So we're going to start with a real some real general alls. Let's go back to Isaiah again. This time to chapter 45. Isaiah 45. Does someone like to read verse 18.
1: For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, He is God, who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is no other.
0: The earth was formed to be (coughs) habited. It was formed for mankind. So we're not talking specifically about the church, but it was formed for men, for humans. Let's look at Psalm 115. The church is made up of people, so that's why we're looking at a more general sense. But Psalm 115, someone like to read verse 16 for us. The
3: heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men.
0: Okay. So the whole earth has been given to mankind. Now let's get a little more specifically. What about the church itself? Let's go to Ephesians again, chapter one and verse three. I'm going to, have to read that for us.
5: Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ
0: every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit who's not going to be taken from us. We have been born again. We've been made heirs of the Father. We've got all these spiritual blessings. I've been reading through the Old Testament and all the blessings that God promised to Israel for keeping the law are all material. They're all material, physical things. But for the church, the blessings are spiritual. The spiritual Blessings for Israel were all prophetic; they're all future promises, you know, and they will gain them when God restores the nation. But we have been given those, all those things that were promised to Israel, and more. Um, let me look at Romans eight thirty-two. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. I'd someone like to read that for us.
5: He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for, all, for, all us, for us all, how do we not also with him graciously give us, give us all things?
0: He will give us all things. It says it again there. He gave his son for us. Won't he, I mean, that's the big thing. Yeah. Well, everything else is trivial compared to that. He'll give us all things. So, so those are pretty general statements that support what Paul's saying here. But more specifically, I hate jerking us around, Back, back to Ephesians. <laughs> Chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. someone would like to read those for us.
3: And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of christ
0: okay he gave some as apostles so he, this is a gift to the church god's given them apostles and that brings us back to our chapter or verse in, in, in chapter three where the part we skipped um, he says, All th- things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. Those are apostles and teachers. Uh, they are gifts from God um, to the Corinthian church. And Paul's point he's making here is you don't boast about those who serve you, God's given them as a gift to serve you. You don't yeah. boast about that. Um, they belong to you. You don't belong to them. You know, they were saying, well, I'm of Apollos, or I, I follow. No, they got it backwards. Paul belongs to us. He's a gift from God to, to help serve us. Second um, Corinthians 4, 5. Let's look at that. I'm not gonna finish this first, but I'll find a good place to break. Second <laughs> Corinthians four five. Well we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ
5: is Lord and ourselves as your servants
0: for Jesus' sake. Yeah, we're your servants. You know Marie and I like to and take gracie and we go to pancake house on Fridays and you know sometimes Julie is our server. I mean do we come out of their bragging, well, we sat at Julie's desk you know, table today, you know, <laughs> aren't we great? <laughs> no, she's a server. <laughs> uh, we don't boast about that. You know, it's the same thing. You know, you don't boast about, you know, some people boast about who their pastor is. You know, I belong to so-and-so's church. Oh, I go to John MacArthur's church, so I'm really, you know, they have to have a lot of respect for me because he's a well-known pastor. No, i got it backwards. He's a servant, so.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> Public servants, civil servants, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, we. I'm not going to finish that passage, so we have to stop there. And so close. We'll, yeah, so close. We'll, we'll we'll pick that up next time. So, and Joe, would you do our usual favors sure. of closing prayer? Lord, we do
2: thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that it will be a living part of us that we'll, we'll adopt it, we'll live with it, with it we'll read it, and, and take that in. We thank you that it was given to us years ago, but for us today, it still is revelant, revelant, and still there for us to to grasp from, to learn from, to be um, blessed by it. Lord, thank you this time in your word. Pray for the next hour to come. We just pray, Lord, that you will, um, that we will be here with worshipful attitudes, ready to worship you and this hour to come. Dear Christian, pray.